0: The game. You've got to push the boundaries to know how far you can go. Cambridge Road. When I describe.
1: I'm not sure how this conversation is going to go, whether it's offensive or not, so I'm glad that you're. At least we've got a table between the two of us, you know. Um, when I describe your wines to people, I tell them to expect change, difference. And in fact, when I say to people, if you, if you go on the Cambridge Road, right? Expect something other than what you've had previously, even if it's got the same label on, the same name.
0: Am I being rude? Are you being rude? Not at all. Not at all. Um. No, I can appreciate your thoughts around that. That matter. Um. For me. I think we are seeking more thematic consistency in the work. Um, Labels do mean something to me, like there's a personality in a lot of my wines. Um, Now nature doesn't always deliver the same kind of material consistently year on year. So my job as an interpreter really is to capture the voice in the best way I know how, um, simply preserving the essence of the, the season, and 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 perhaps overlaying with trend and my personal uh, assumptions of good taste. But um, wines like the rabbit, for example, down the rabbit hole. Um, There's a consistency of style, there's a consistency of uh, vineyard origin and source there. Um, And we're pretty comfortable with where we're at with that. Uh, I can make it pretty much the same way every year now. Um, A few weeks of skin maceration and blah, blah, blah and barrel age for a year. And And down down the rabbit hole, beautiful label
1: by the way. I just, I I love the whimsy within that. Yeah,
0: thanks. The artwork preceded the wine actually.
1: That's interesting. Mm. Paul Kelly always amazes me with his songs that are very story narrative rich, but worst guy in the world to ever interview, by the way, like I was a huge fan, but he comes in, he just doesn't enjoy it. right? But he's like, he always has the music before he has the lyrics oh yeah so you had the label before you had the wine
0: oh in that instance yeah it was just a local artist found it in a local cafe that i'd frequent and um her whole series on those hairs they're officially hares, not rabbits but close enough they're part of the same family um get down the hair holes not as attractive yeah it it didn't quite roll off the tongue (laughs) but um yeah i asked her if she'd allow me to perhaps buy a few pieces and consider the option of me using the art and then that that label does express a degree of whimsy right and uh it needed a wine with a similar uh you know feeling uh and and back then it was i think we published the first rabbit in 2016 uh at that point it was a fairly alternative philosophy of uh, how to how to make sauvignon blanc in new zealand and what what is new zealand sauvignon blanc you know? how alternative at that time Oh, I could be wrong, but I don't know anyone that was messing with Sauvignon Blanc and skin ferments back then. We'd already started to dabble in the Pinot Gris realms um, several years prior. But uh, it was good fun. It was good to push it out there. I really love the way it expresses itself. And uh, today we find that it's sort of uh, stylistically cued in sort of the wines of Slovenia on the border with Froeli there. Um, several of the producers there. I mean, that's sort of where we model ourselves on in terms of, like, the tradition of that method. And I I think it's a method that delivers refreshment and the right kind vibe that I'm into. Yeah.
1: When I talked to you about consistency, you came back and said... The thematic, you have a thematic consistency and you look to find the voice. Those do not sound to me like someone saying, oh, no, I'm really consistent, actually. Those are fairly woolly expressions, Lance. (laughs) Well, what do you expect? I mean... I expect when I look at a Cambridge Road wine for the first time that it is not going to be like the last vintage necessarily whereas with the great majority of wines that are made in the marketplace that we find mm-hmm. there's
0: a house style certainly it's true that we've had a joyful ride you know we've been playing significantly broad wide exploration we we're talking about earlier but exploration only
1: oh, 14 vintages in now was it 2000 was it oh, nine it that you started 07 Okay.
0: Yeah, well, so whatever yeah. that is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, 16, yeah. i mean that's when we started the cambridge road label yeah yeah so um, you've had this joy discovery you've got to push the boundaries to know how far you can go you know um and l- i mean a lot of that early days it was about exploring viticultural ideologies uh surrounding organic farming and biodynamic uh techniques where are you at with organics and biodynamics and why Oh gosh, um, I'm at a, a firm, consistent belief that clean farming is essential to making good wine and good, good food, really, um, you know, we like to tread gently, we're organic, we're biological. Um, I love so much of the philosophy that surrounds biodynamic farming and I can see its place in my future. It was a significant part of our past and in the early days of Cambridge Road we embraced it entirely. Um, I then explored like a real minimalist intervention approach, the idea that nature in its honest own form is like how do we do as little to you know manipulate anything, to express when you're searching for a voice of a place, the soul of a place, you know, how how gently can I, you know, tread the earth? And how close to nature can we be? And and if we're talking about something like wine, which I guess we are, and that's what we're <laughs> here for, then if terroir is something worthy of uh, pursuit... And that is the, a word for voice of place? Oh, expression of, mm. you know,
1: the... the, the yeah, I like the, it. I think voice of place is a great translation
0: for... Mm. Um, so as we seek that then um, everything we do to manipulate that just everything we do makes a difference right so when you're gifting a lot of energy to that place it's great Um, and you're gifting you know we make kelp teas and things like that that, those are choices we make as far as so kelp trees are like that's a seaweed
1: treatment that is like a, a compost a nutrient that you're putting into the vines
0: yeah 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 you know coastal nation new zealand um it's a local resource for most of us and it's a really simple and beautiful uh you know gentle but diverse mineral group Uh, and it's one of my favorite things to share with the plants it's easy to make and it's it's a lovely lovely gift to the the vineyard and i mean so that's considered to be quite a soft input um, but inevitably it's an input, right? So by making the choice to work with those kelps, that's a signature that shifts the mineral makeup of my wine and therefore how ultimately it, it's going to express itself in the glass. Subtly, but inevitably, it does make a difference. And those are the choices of the farmer and perhaps one of the good reasons that the French in their, uh, you know, their description of or their, their determination of what, what is terroir, they do factor in the human <laughs> contributions outside of climatic and geological. Lynette Lin-
1: Hudson, who I know that you've known for a while, as I have in conversation, she was saying to me in her forthright, you know, when she hits that tone where she's saying, thou shalt not contradict me on this, right, was, um, she goes, people are indisputably
0: a part of te wa. Hands down, yeah. So many, yeah, so many of the choices we make influence ultimately the the outcome. So.
1: Shall I grab you a tissue? No, I'm <laughs> fine. Thank you. Um, the conversation okay. about wine <clears throat> but you're sounding to me more like a grower or a, a gardener than a farmer than than the traditional wine making conversations that I might be used to. So winemaker versus grower? Mhm. What's the what's the balance?
0: What is the balance? Um what we all seek, <laughs> harmony. Um, farming, sure. Yeah, farming's where I begin. What we I do. Seek
1: harmony. Why do I continue to sabotage my
0: own emotional life? But that's a that's oh, a, that's a later conversation <laughs> um, Certainly, farming is where I am uh, at most at home. Um, it's the it's a very joyful part of the process, and perhaps why I find it so rewarding, especially when the weather's like this. But breathing fresh air and out and the birds and the bees and, you know, listening to birdsong and listening, you know, working with your, your plants and doing what you do and nourishing it and taking a reward from that. Um, I think we, we touched on this a few days ago, but um, so much of the work of what goes into a glass of wine is the toil of the landscape and and you know, working in amongst the vines, nine months sort of, of work from pruning through to harvest um, to bring that new crop to, you know, that, that fruit to gestation and um, to, 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 the, to the point of harvest where we can then choose the right path to put it, ultimately preserve it in, into a bottle. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, farming is key. I like it. It's fundamental and
1: it sounds then nine months out of 12 that sounds like three quarters Mm -hmm.
0: of your time and your energy when you talked about putting energy in yeah i think so i think so once you get it to that point of harvest there's certainly some guidance along the path of i was surprised
1: that you came i find your winemaking exciting i find it quite often confronting Mm -hmm. Like you have consistently put wines into the bottle and, you know, my daughter, who, as you know, is a big fan of, of what you do, would consistently put these wines in front of me. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? You at Cambridge Road are, I think your description was surrounded by heritage rich vineyards. You're over the fence from Atarangi, who are world-renowned for New Zealand mm-hmm. context. And why don't you just make Pinot like everyone else does?
0: <laughs> yeah, I tried and nearly went broke. Um, I do like Pinot. It's what I moved to town for, you know. And we certainly... The early work, I was almost entirely uh, wrapped around Pinot. But now you seem to... You seem to
1: fall in love with Syrah, and there were some terrific Syrah that came out of Martin, but that's quite a long time ago now that they were common, right? So is it fair to say
0: Syrah caught
1: your eye or your attention?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the truth of the story is, so the vineyard that we, you know, ultimately chose to be the footprint for, for, for where we would kick off what was my passion project. Had... Cambridge Road being the passion project. Yeah, 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 Okay, yeah, the place
1: found me, I found the place, whatever. but Which is the name that you chose and you invented because it speaks to this place. It was quite a traditional choice, right? To go, here I am, you can find me, Cambridge
0: Road, Martinborough, all right, there, that's where it Yeah, uh, there was a lot of contemplation, what you're going to call this thing, and um, for lack of, I don't know, creativity, we ended up with something that um, is very straight-laced, you know. Uh, doesn't perhaps speak clearly of some of the experimental nature of our work. However, it will always speak of the place we're from. And uh, that was, I guess, the consistent ideology. It'll exist well beyond my time here. Um, well, perhaps not the brand, but the place will always be the place. And I think it's a decent place, you know, based on those... The, you know, the history. So there is it. thematic consistency that you're talking about.
1: What Lance particularly makes vintage to vintage might change, but this is in and of this place, and this speaks to 2022 or 2016
0: or 2009. I think we're getting better and better at, at expressing that. How? Relationships mm. with the vineyards. And the people uh, who perhaps own them. Um, You can't have consistency until you have a consistent supply of the right kind of fruit that you ultimately understand how you want, how how you can best share it with people. Um, And so, as we farm more land ourselves and uh, have the pleasure of working with it year after year after year then we can breed consistency into the work um, as we understand the sites and how best to interpret them, et cetera, et cetera. Because your winemaking,
1: you've talked about pushing boundaries and you say to me, you have to, you have to put, well, no, because most people don't. You, you do, right? There's seems to me, there's not a boundary that you can't feel a huge compulsion to put your shoulder up against and, 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 to see just how rigid that boundary is so I was surprised that because your winemaking to me is exciting challenging and I I like that about it right but you came from growing and and it was the the love of your fruit and deciding you know I don't want to hand this over to anyone else right now I've spent nine months on this
0: sure sure that was what sort of um was the catalyst for uh, commissioning our own winery taking the reins entirely plunging yourself into debt creating huge psychological emotional <laughs> burdens <laughs> it was always part of the plan it's just it, it ended up happening a little earlier so we built built our own shed to, to ferment in and just in time for the excuse me the 2010 harvest And that's where we took the reins in its entirety. Um, Back then it was all red work, a little bit of rose, a little bit of Back then we called the rose papillon. The early work was Arahanui, of course. Um, And, you know, those were the early days. Um, It's been, we have pushed boundaries, of course, Um, like to test the, you know, but I hope with the idea that we're seeking a noble outcome. That we're seeking purity, you know, voice of the land, expression of place, whatever you want to call it. Um, those are the motivations that drive it. Perhaps that and, of course, doing things that haven't been done and that you find the rewards of intellectual pursuit challenging, uh, a testing theorem, unpublished sort of thesis. Um. So you talk about softening
1: agricultural practice. You've also you said. You, you talk about the intuition of the agriculture of the of the the wine. So, to me, I'm wondering: is your work in the vineyard and growing is that it's seventy five percent of your time? You're out there physically, which has been a thing that's brought you joy, right? Of that of that. Being outside, working in that, not being in insurance. Two o'clock in the morning,
0: you're driving a tractor, uh, spraying because it's you know calm still, and uh, clocking through the night. So there's moments, yeah, but you you have to find some pleasure in that. Uh, It's the it's the graft we chose in a way, Um, and it is hard graft for sure. Um, but you know I'm content with that. The pleasure that you found within it is
1: look at this fruit that I now hand over to a winemaking process. Yes. So the intuitive energy and that that work around that are being constantly in. Milan Bracovic said to me once when we were walking through his vineyards and he said, it's about balance. And well, what do you mean? He goes, well, look, I walk through and I can see if this vine is in balance or not. And he it's points and goes, you yeah. see? And I'm like, well, no, of course I don't see. I don't have a clue right (laughs) but um so to me there's that that intuition and in that it's a lovely thought hey uh, um, then when you're going into winemaking then if you're talking about testing theorems and stratagems then that's you bringing the the brain and that more academic process and going right what what am i up to here with with viticulture you're following the intuition and
0: then when you get into the winemaking oh it's also intuition it's instinctual, I think, but I mean, uh, sure, we're, we're you know we're engaging what knowledge we have to make the choices we do, that, you know, the best way we know how. Um, and as much as so much of my work has pushed boundaries, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, talking about, I like to think we're actually there's a there's a refinement that is you know, things happen in cycles uh, in terms of the evolution of thinking and. Um, And so while testing ideas is important to growing your body of knowledge, once you've acquired that knowledge, now how do we best apply it to consistently deliver the kind of wines that I think will bring the greatest amount of joy to people? Um, And I think that's the phase we're now stepping well into as we move well into our second decade of of this work. that's my goal it's not to continue to break down walls I've I've broken just about every wall I could f- find and so well, now you, you
1: found a new one of this current release that I'll talk to in a moment but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know you know that's that's ultimately my goal now is like how do we make these wines can we make wines with no additives at all preservative free etc that taste feel delicious and um, age-worthy, and, you know, bring good the, the art of good taste to the world. Feedback is communication, and it's good, right?
1: Like this email that came in. You have an eccentric way of talking and hosting. You are eccentric. Well, I like eccentrics. Chasing Harvest Wines. Eccentric. Mike and Jennifer Cush travelled the world making all the wine they could. Chasing Harvest. Settling finally in Alexandra, Central Otago. Making, naturally, a Pinot. The current 2019 lithesome, classical. They're Riesling. 52 cases have been made. That's it. Get some. Just get some. So feedback matching me with Chasing Harvest wines? All good. ChasingHarvest.com What I've just learned in listening to you is that your approach... And that willingness to be intuitive and to follow and find place and voice and season gives me an excitement because I, it's not going to be another Vintage Voice today. to Bay. To quote an example in a conversation with a mate recently. right? Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. I hadn't, I hadn't realized, and that's quite, that
0: amends my description of Cambridge Road now, right? Like, well, I'm glad you have positive memories of such things and uh, that we've challenged you along the way. Yeah, it's um, nothing's ever gone. Like the Papillon story, it's been a while since we've made one. I think it extinguished about the time I threw away the filter um, and we decided that even our rosé, which was the last wine that we still filtered, would go unfiltered. Um, and at that point, I felt like the pretty little Papillon series come of age. It, well, it, it had served served its moment. In the spotlight, that said, we're talking about refinement. I haven't forgotten about the papillon work and uh, I think earlier in this conversation I talked about a little bit of a light bulb moment um, recently when enjoying my wine at a little eatery in Wellington. and um, and it struck me that I should make a field blend from this vineyard that I've you know closely attached to the Cirrus vineyard that is, is the source and home of the Cloudwalker series and a bunch of other wines um, find their roots there as well. And I realised we could reshape that, whereas Cloudwalker is quite a bold and structured and you know it's very skins driven orange wine, um, spice and seed-derived phenolics, etc. Uh, there's a place for something that's more uh, crystalline and it expresses the sort of mineral energy there. Um, using the same varieties, riesling, pinot gris, and pinot noir that are planted on site, but I'm sort of picturing something that's quite uh, energetic, you know, you know, vibrant and fresh, um, and that's the new thing I'm excited about this year, which is still a work in progress. But uh, it could it could be a papillon. It could find its way into a riesling shaped bottle. But it might not. We'll see. We'll see what comes. I don't know what's going
1: to come. But You see, you don't get to <laughs> say that choosing the name of Cambridge Road was a lack of creativity. You are not short on creativity. But creativity without decisiveness is just procrastination and you get lost. Because mm-hmm. I love... I hope it's coming across in your voice because you the smile on your face with the, as you're wandering off on this thought of what Papillon could be should it come back, right? Yeah, you, I don't know if it'll come back. You reduced all of the interventions you could and throwing away the filter. Do you get was there anxiety around that? Because that's throwing away a control.
0: Oh, well, no, nothing's ever off the table. I make a lot of wines without sulfites, but sulfites, I've got, I got no qualms with sulfites. I've got no battle with them, really. Um, and some of my wines use sulfites. Uh, this year, particularly, we drew on some, and sites that historically we wouldn't and fruit that we historically wouldn't. But
1: Can you explain to me... The role of sulfites in
0: that decision-making process. Oh, well, so it's rational winemaking, right? It's not. It's not ridiculous winemaking. Uh, if you grow the fruit well, and the produce is perfect, then there's very there's less reason to need to intervene. But if the fruit is humbled through you know, issues, disease pressure, or yeah, exactly. In a year like this last one, splitting, which you know then can bring in bacteria around vinegar, bacteria, etc. Um So our Pinot Gris this year shifted from being quite happy to a little bit unhappy, and I looked at the fruit and I went, that's going to get sulfites. Just a, just a touch, but we sulfited it. We had to knock that vinegar bacteria on the head. I don't mind a little bit of vinegar in my wine. In fact, I kind of appreciate it. Great for digestion, can lift aromatics. And stylistically, it's uh, yeah, it's certainly something interesting that you see in the natural realms, um, and not not only natural, but yeah, you've got to make rational choices. And uh, and when I said I threw away the filter, yeah, I threw away the filter, and that was when I was in my, you know probably the early days of kind of really embracing the the the, the sort of uh, the textural sort of uh, raw pathway that we've been dancing down. That said, uh, last year I brought back the filter. Coarse filtration. So the main reason I don't like filtering is that I want to leave lactobacillus in solution. I want to leave living cell structure. So lacto what? Lactobacillus. Like, okay. Um, you know, the same good, good gut health bacteria that you find in booch and you find, you know, in your krauts and, and you know, kimchis and what have you, and even yoghurt. Right. Um, it, it dawned on me some years ago that wine will grow that in solution naturally given a chance as part of the bacteriological sort of microflora of nature. And most wine, sterile filters that out. So there's nothing left at all other than you know, the joy of uh, aroma and solution and flavor. Um, and, and consistency booze. this vintage
1: is like that vintage which is going to be like the next vintage. oh well,
0: yeah safety's key and Safety. you know they if you want to make a wine with rs in it you've got to filter it Res- or you it or you've it got have to flash pasteurize it or something but anyways um you know the motivation for why natural wine is it's not it's it's to make wine as clean and as healthy as i can conceive of and clean is a relative term right it's cloudy wine is it clean yeah but you know Um, it's living, and it's got to fundamentally be grown without chemicals. And then it should be, in my opinion, fermented with native microflora, but where it gets interesting is the bacteria. Timothy Giles here, just interrupting for a moment. To tell you
1: that every person that I have a conversation on full of it with deserves, I reckon, and receives a wine as thank you. the challenge there, of course, is Well, they know their wines and can be a bit judgy, so under pressure, not really. Our thank you wines come from Posh Slosh. They're an online-only wine merchant at poshslosh.co.nz. Check them out, you'll find mostly organic, biodynamic, lots of natural, low-intervention wines, very hip. Wines from Italy, Australia, France, Spain and Aotearoa too. If you're trade, running a wine list, refreshing a wine list, creating one, stocking a store, then you can get their trade portfolio directly from the curators of poshslosh.co.nz, Manifesto. Just email paul at manifestowinecompany.co.nz. They curate great wines. I
0: love choosing them. And thanks, Manifesto,
1: for your support. Now, where were we in this conversation?
0: last year i brought the filter back on one wine a red wine it was the wild one which is commemorative bottling for an old friend of ours who passed away and i wanted that wine to have a modicum of decorum about it and uh and to be a consistent cre- you know deliver consistent pleasure to his family and his P- friends. P- pinot, right? Is it a, is it's a pinot, it's a pinot, it's sort of like a yeah, single ferment, salty, fresh, like quite bright and energetic, and it was a, it was my favourite ferment off the vineyard that we look after that year. Um, but again, it was mostly because we'd realised um, something quite technically beautiful about the site, that we're seeing a seam of salinity wrapped in around the sort of mineralogical makeup of the site. Uh, and I hadn't, it's quite a, kind of a rarity when you taste that in the juice of the berries, uh, at least in my career so far it has been, it's only happened a few times, so that was exciting. Um, anyways, yeah I brought back a filter, it's just partial coarse filtration, um, with the idea to just brighten the wine slightly, um, to take out some of the heavier particulates, and uh, it's not necessary, and but it was something that I did for that wine because I, I felt I should. <laughs> um, I wanted his, his wife to really enjoy that bottle of wine, and uh, I felt like she might do that more if it wasn't too cloudy. It was cloudy predominantly because I'd aged in stainless steel. That's kind of an interesting little observation along the way. The same wine put into barrels would fall brighter than wine put into a stainless tank. So when, when
1: you're talking about brightness, that's a vividity of colour and a lack of particulates. In yeah, just like natural suspended. flocculation.
0: At least in this experience, it did, and that and that was probably the reason I'd kept it in stainless because I wanted to keep the lens focused down on that mineral, that acid, that freshness. And so, I, you know, my winery is quite a living winery, you know. So um, that all that wild biology that we're talking all, about, all sorts of yeast going on in there, and yeast and bacteria and, and doing what they do. And uh, you throw if I threw that wine into barrels, I would have layered it with multiple influences. Um, that perhaps the idea of purity was key for me on that one and stainless was a part of that storytelling it's not an essential part just it was the choices we made in that particular year to achieve the goals we were trying to achieve it interests me Lance that (laughs) I would say that
1: your minds have quite a clear touch of your hand in them and, and not so much in what you do do, as so often things that you choose not to do. And and those when peers might be really drawn into, go, I'm just gonna, I, if I just do this, I'm gonna be a little bit safer and get some control. And you not doing that leads, I think, often to ones that speak of, of you and of place in Cambridge Road. Sounds like you actually took ego out of the picture to make Wild One because it's, it sounds like it's a gift. that isn't necessarily where you would have gone were it not that you were
0: making it in tribute for this man and for his family. Certainly, um, I have strived to take ego out of the work as much as possible throughout the years. And it's a challenge to really step back. Um, that that pursuit of it's um, that treading softly thing I guess for me um, showing respect where respects due, but pulling away from yeah shape and influence like throwing your hands in, in the air and letting it run and uh, and not intervening unless you. You know, it's a gentle guiding. And that, I think, most winemakers, pro- well, most winemakers I know follow a similar path. Most, most winemakers you know that you listen to and respect, I think, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. But within the realms of their framework of operation, you know, uh, a lot of people have to work under certain rule books and textures, etc. you know, like, we, I'm lucky enough to have quite creative freedom artistic control um when it comes to such things and bold enough to have you know pursued a market that hopefully resonates with that kind of work so it 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 is economically feasible just which is always a dance whether we do or we don't um we run the fine line um in terms of feasibility but um it's, uh, uh, it's the kind of work I want to do. It's what, what keeps me interested in the game.
1: I don't think it's luck. I think it's that you've, you've, you've paid prices for it, right? Sure. You know, emotionally, financially, and in, well into your second decade. Now it's like, okay, you, you, there's a consistency, a viability...
0: I don't think it was luck. I think it was really hard work. Oh, there's plenty of mahi involved, no doubt. Um, and persistence. <laughs> you know, get back on the pony. Keep going. Um, keep flogging it. Um, it's... Yeah. It's, it's been a body of work, no doubt. And uh, one that I would only continue the path on for the love of the game. I would have left this game a long time ago if I wasn't so deeply enamored with it uh it's it feels like the right path for me or has done for these last going on three decades now
1: last thing for me when you talked about choosing to and working to take ego out i'm wondering if that helps because it sounds to me like you there's a purpose that you are in service of beyond just going my wine get how smart i am you're in service of bringing something else out you you talked about the voice of the place the voice of that through fruit the thematic consistency of these vineyards that you're engaged in and this place and this
0: this address sure sure the uh, um as that word ego first came up. Um, I was in Barcelona uh, catching up with a friend of mine, and uh, we were talking to a couple of lads from Brutal. Tal. Um, I think I was showing a few of our wines, and um, that invited the shaman over from oh, I forget where in South America. Uh, shamanistic sort of rituals. Uh, I, I'm no professional in, in the knowledge around this, but uh, f- fermentation of substances, you know, roots, leaves, plant, material, whatever, is fundamental to the way they sort of prepare things from forest. And, and speaking of intuition and stuff, I mean, it's a uh, science, of, well, it's a practice of intuition. Anyway, he was sh- sharing a table with us, and uh guy didn't, he hadn't drunk, Much wine before, but these guys were intrigued uh, in the knowledge he had around intuitive arts of fermentation, etc. And so they were sharing their natural wines with him. And uh, we we all shared a table. I I didn't, I'm terrible at uh, languages and I couldn't understand the Spanish, but my friend was interpreting for me and um, it was quite nice of him. He, He looked at the wines, he said something about ego, he said, the ones are good. He, could, he was sort of sensing the, the, the intent. This is the showman? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Across the table. He, he ended up sort of like, I don't know, talking about a bunch of stuff, did a bit of a reading on me, like, uh, you know, I don't know, mentioned something about me being a bear of a man, suggested I should... Um, the work was good, but you should make sure you keep that ego out, you know, and that was fundamental. Uh, he also told me I should bury some wine under a cypress tree. And apparently he didn't know what a cypress tree was. They don't have them where he was from. I don't know if that's true, but um, it turns out at the southern fringe of Cambridge Road, there is a shoutabout, and uh, it's a cypress tree, a I never did dig that big hole, but, um, well, we we have dug a big hole. We just haven't put anything in it yet part of the future story i suppose um but perhaps a seller there might be the guy one day uh but anyway that was a bit of a sideline thing something about ego and uh always respect for the um for the mother the maternal which is uh something we i live with you know like it's it's those those sort of things don't come across every day meeting people like that and that's quite Quite interesting to reflect on those statements and s- sort of apply them to your life if you so see fit. They're simple instructions, uh, but that was a decade ago, probably, and or eight years ago or so, and um, and I I remember those those that guidance in a way uh, to this day. Anyway, moving on to you.
1: Thank you for coming. When I know your dad's waiting for you, and there's a. There's some glistening water that you're going to get out on. So I've really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, good as gold. And to me, those reflective moments, we need to keep coming back to that. So thank you for that gift for me too. And there's some reflecting I need to do. Mm, No drama. It's a pleasure. Thanks for your time. No drama. You must live your life differently to me, Lance. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. create full for conversations like this and we've a bunch more to come subscribe follow and please share it with other people that you know who love wine and, and great conversation and if you're really enjoying what you've heard so far become part of it go over to patreon join our community of supporters and if you do that you're part of our production planning you get to give me feedback, you get to help us decide on what we're covering, who we're talking to, and I guess also how I'm going about it. So if you want Wine Talk, we, together, keep this platform full of it.